Well, as everybody finds their way to their seats, uh, also remember next week we're doing an outdoor baptism. And so we would encourage you if, you, if you'd like to be baptized outside particularly, and uh, uh, that, that you see me this week, we have one that when we did our Easter baptism said that she wanted to do it outside. She just wanted to, to have that experience outside. And so we're gonna accommodate next across the street uh, at the Christian Assembly, they have a retention pond, and so we'll be doing a baptism there immediately after second service. And so if you're interested, please see me. Who, who likes scary movies? I'm just curious. Who likes to tell scary stories, okay? You, you know, scary movies, scary stories. Uh, so, some people call that the news now, right? Um, but, but some people like scary movies, scary stories. Some people like to feel scared and, and to, to do that. I know if you've got an older brother, uh, then you understand what it means to be scared. I had older brothers, and they love, older brothers love to scare younger brothers. If you're an older brother, say amen, right? Uh, my older brother, Danny, would do things that was people just wouldn't do. He, he would come into your bedroom and get under your bed and lay there for a long, long time just so he could have the joy of reaching out from under the bed and grabbing your head in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, just the joy of scaring a younger sibling. I'm sorry, Andrew, you probably had to face a lot of that, didn't you? You know, fears, being scared, scary stories, things like that are part of life. And, and fears, being afraid, being scared has a physical effect on us. Uh, you know, you, you, you jump. I can remember, you know, I, I wasn't as bad as Danny, but one time my, my little brother, I... I got in his closet and, and um, I, I was in there for quite a while and I never did anything, never jumped out and I could hear Bobby getting ready for bed and, and then he opened the door and I was just standing there and I could remember his physical effect was this. <laughs> Being afraid, you have a physical effect. Fear affects life. In our life, when we have Fear in our life, it affects how we live our lives. You know, you, you know the, 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 the two things we talk about is, is, is fight or flight. That, that when you're afraid, you either, you either put up a fight or you run. Or, but I think there's really three. There's fight, flight, or freeze. <laughs> uh, that, 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 and those, that's our typical response to, to situations where we're afraid. And all of us have fears all of us have faced phobias. I know for several years I had, um, I, I don't even know what it was. It was, it was a being out of contact phobia. And I think I've shared this in, in here that, that I would go camping and, you know, invariably you, you would get to a, a location where a cell phone wouldn't work. And I, I, could, I would wake up in a tent in the middle of the night with almost a panic attack because I couldn't get a hold of anybody. And I felt disconnected. This ideal of being disconnected created a lot of fear and anxiety in my life. And, and all of us have faced things like that. Fear is universal. Everyone in this room has or has faced fear. Uh, Nelson Mandela, I, I love I love this quote from him. Nelson Mandela, of course, was the South African gentleman that was in prison for so many years and, and then was liberated before apartheid ended or when it ended. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, 
but the triumph over it. That the brave man is not one who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. <laughs> I think there's a lot of truth in that. That fear is universal. Fear, fear is something all of us have to face. I, I see Jim Carsey out there, and, and Jim served in, in, in the war, and, and, and Clarence out there. The, these guys that have served in, in our military, it, it's not that, they're, that they don't face fear or they don't have fear, but, but they learned how to face fear and respond to fear. All fear. Uh, affects us, and everyone has fears. And, and sometimes our fears are trivial. <laughs> I remember one night I woke up, and, and I heard our chickens. We used to have chickens, and I hate chickens. I will never have chickens again. Uh, but I heard our chickens going crazy. And let me tell you, it was probably just a, a, a raccoon or something eating the chickens, but I was afraid to go to the barn to see what was going on in the barn, Right? That's trivial. Some of our fears are trivial, but some of them are very significant. Sometimes we have fear in our relationship with one another. Sometimes we won't start a new relationship, or sometimes we won't try a new task because of fear. Here's a truth for us this morning. Agape love gives confidence. The remedy to fear is agape love. Now, now this works just in, in our life, that when people really love us, it gives us a confidence. So, so maybe it's a, a parent or a teacher or a coach that's, that, that has it, it given you confidence by their unconditional love. It's been 1998, the fall of 1998. So 18 years ago, uh, working in another field, I had to go to my wife and say, you know, God, God may be calling me to the ministry. <laughs> I had a lot of fear in that. But because of Terry's unconditional love, either that or just resignation that it was what it was, I don't know what it was. Because of her unconditional love, I could overcome a lot of fear. And how in the world do I transition from this to pastoring. Agape love gives confidence. Wyatt and Priscilla, they, when they went to Portland, I told him, I said, now, you're on your own, but you're not alone. There's a difference. Folks, you may be on your own, but we're never alone. Agape love gives confidence, and God's Agape love should give us confidence. Let's go back to the scripture. 1 John, beginning in verse, chapter 4, verse 13. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God, the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence, and this is a speaking confidence, on the day of judgment. 
Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now, old man John, we've talked about this. John's talking to a church that's beginning to stray. John's been around for a long time. He served Jesus a long time. He had a personal relationship with Jesus. And the church is starting to waver. They're starting to stray. And so John has spent a long time, a lot of this first John letter, dealing with the concept of abiding. Stay. Stay true to your first love. He, he spent a great deal of time talking about love. That, that we are to abide, we are to remain, even though we're being, um, we're, we're being tempted to stray and, and there's all sorts of other thoughts and ideals. John's saying, stay true to your faith in Jesus Christ. That's what matters. And then he gets to the central ideal of love. Love is, is central to all that we do. If we are holiness people without love, then we really don't matter a whole lot, right? Love is essential. But then he begins with two new thoughts. And he begins to talk about fear and confidence. That those abiding in Jesus, those abiding in relationship with God, those abiding in God's love can live with a certain sense of confidence and not fear. And so as I begin to think about it, I believe oftentimes our fears, most of the time our fears don't involve just simply things that we're doing. It may be things we're doing, but oftentimes fear is based in relationships. We, we, we wonder, can, can someone be trusted. And it's in, it's in this trust of others that oftentimes we have the most difficulty operating with confidence and not having fear. You know, all of us have been lied to from time to time, right? <laughs> and, and it keeps us from having confidence in other people. I, I, I saw this written at, at a place of establishment. It says, in God we trust, all others play cash, right? Uh, you know, we, so we trust God, but, but oftentimes we have fear or a lack of confidence in relationship with others. And, and we ask a question, can, can this person be trusted? And, and that's not a bad question, right? Can, can this person be trusted? When you're buying a car, don't you ask the question, can this person be trusted, right? If you go to the doctor, don't you ask the question, can this doctor be trusted? When, when, when you go to a lawyer, can't you, won't you ask the question, can this lawyer be trusted? And the answer is no, I guess. You guys, you're looking for a punchline there. When you're voting in November... Don't you want to have a level of trust 
As a matter of fact, probably primary to anything. Even if we don't agree with everything, we'd want to be able to trust somebody we're voting for, right? Um, no? <laughs> you guys are afraid to say amen in relation to anything dealing with an election coming up, right? <laughs> As a matter of fact, you would like just to forget the whole process and it be like December. <laughs> yeah, can we trust someone? That's a good question. But can I suggest a better question for us this morning? Uh, better than whether you can trust someone in a circumstance, whether we can trust, um, you know, something to, to be good. But, but can God be trusted? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. All right, let's go home. Uh, can God be trusted? In, in the circumstances of life, oftentimes the, the question we ask is, is the most important thing that we can determine. And the best question to ask in these circumstances are not whether a person can be trusted, but can God be trusted? And the answer is yes. God can be trusted. And God's agape love can be trusted. God's agape love should give us confidence. Agape love, God's agape love should give us confidence to speak. God's agape love should give us confidence to give. God's agape love should give us confidence to try. So, so we should be, as believers, as abiding in him, as staying in him, as living his love, we should be confident people. See, see, there's a strong connection between the ideal, the concept, the emotion of confidence and God's agape love. There is a direct connection. Romans 8, 31 says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? <laughs> it's a pretty good promise, right? Since we can trust God, we have confidence. We, we can trust that in his love, God will provide for our very needs. But, but there's more than that. There, there is a close, essential connection between agape love received and agape love given. There is a connection in your life and my life between receiving God's love and giving God's love. There is a connection in your life. If, if, if you cannot, and I think it works both ways, if you cannot receive God's love, it is impossible to give God's love. And if you cannot give God's love, you cannot fully receive God's love. There is a connection between those thoughts and it is sprinkled throughout scriptures, not just in 1 John, but throughout John. There is this ideal that to receive God's love is to give God's love and to give God's love is to receive God's love. Now, I, I want to do here sometime a series on love. And, and I honestly thought, well, we're going through 1 John. This will be a series on love. But it's been more of a series on abiding than a series on love. But I want to do a series on love. And, and if you were going to do a series on love, what, what book in the Bible, what, what would you use? Somebody yell something out. Huh? 
Hi. <laughs> Thank you, Joseph. Uh, you can go back to sleep. Uh, <laughs> I'd use 1 Corinthians 13, right? You know, the love chapter. And so I, I want to do a series on love, and I want to use 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. And, and we've talked about this. There's this connection between faith, hope, and love, that, that somehow faith, Hope and love are connected. And not only that, love is the greatest. That, that when we live with faith and hope, there is this production of love in our life. And somehow, love is the greatest. And, and I believe I, I said this several weeks ago, but I'll say it again. Love is faith and hope tangible, tangibly expressed in the present. In other words, be, because we have faith in God, because God is faithful in our past, because we have a, a life story where God has been faithful to us, and we know that he can be trusted. And, and what lies before us is sure, that, that we have hope in God. We're secure in God. Because of that, we can give our present in love. Because we understand who we are and whose we are. Is that right? Something like that. Because we understand who owns or holds the past, the present, and the future. Because of all those things, we can, I can, you can love. That, that agape love is given because we understand that we belong to God and our past and our future and our present are all His allows us to give. But fear stifles agape love. Now, I think this is obvious when you think about it. When you stop and think about it, it's obvious because fear intensifies our need for self-preservation. That, that when we're afraid and, and fight and flight and freeze are all physical manifestations of this ideal that in, in a, a scary situation, in a fearful situation, that, then, then I am geared on self-preservation. And so if you live in a state of fear and not in a state of confidence, it is impossible to demonstrate and show agape love because fear stifles agape love. So you're in the midst of a relationship and, and something goes wrong. Fear keeps you from forgiving because you have to fight to prove that you're right. Say amen if, I'm, if, I'm, if this is true. Uh, folks, this, this is essential. And some of you, it's not that you don't want to do the right things, but you're so caught up in fear that it's keeping you from giving of yourself like God would like you to give. Fear is stifling your ability to give agape love. And you have fear because you're not fully receiving the love of your heavenly Father. He has given and He loves you and He's inviting you to give. Instead of speaking, we freeze. 
And so we began a conversation and, and God has in his providence moved a conversation to spiritual things. And, and you see the moment and, and you know it's there, but you freeze. You're, you're afraid to say what's on your heart because you're afraid of what that other person will do. Fear freezes. Instead of giving, we live in a crazy age, right? You know, financial markets are all over the place and every time you turn on the news, you hear more bad news, right? And so you, you have, a, you have a, a set amount of resources and, and, and fear causes us to wrap our arms around our resources. And, and sometimes, I'm not, I'm not advocating being bad stewards of our, our resources, but I am saying that if fear is keeping you from giving, not just to the church, don't, don't, don't hear this as, oh, pastor's asking for tithe. No, I, I'm asking for generous people who are willing to give out of agape love because fear has cast out, or love has cast out fear, and, they, and we trust God with, with our resources and what we've got. Fear stifles our ability to give agape love. See, fear causes us to be caught up in Proving myself instead of giving myself. That's what's going on. When we live in fear, the, the, whole, the whole part of our life is proving ourselves and protecting ourselves. And agape love gets us to a place where we can just give ourselves away. Can I go back to where we've been through the beginning? And the more I preach through this book, the more true this phrase becomes to me. God sees more in us than we see in us. That God looks at his people and he looks at how much he loves us and how much he's given us and he sees in us the capability of being like him. Loving like Jesus. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And, and, and it's not in my notes, but I can't, every time I think about this concept, I think about Jesus and, and washing the disciples' feet. You know, it's, it's the last night, and, and I'm sure there's a lot of things Jesus could do. And, and, and why did he do this? You know, was, it, was he teaching a lesson? No. No. You know why Jesus washed their feet? Because he loved them. You know, I washed their feet. Needed done. They had dirty feet. He wasn't proving a point. Jesus, just in his, in his love for them, saw a need and met it. But before Jesus saw a need and met it, uh, there's some interesting language, and I'm not going to be able to quote it, but, but it's, it's something to the effect that Jesus knew where he came from. Jesus knew where he was going. And so Jesus got up and washed. See, see, Jesus had this full understanding, this full faith understanding that God had placed everything in his hands. 
Jesus understood that the cross awaited him, but also after the cross, there was the resurrection. So he had faith and hope. And in that faith and hope, he could just love. Not not some emotional feeling. That's all. It's great when you have that emotional feeling with the actions, right? That, that, oh, that's great. But, but I don't know if Jesus had emotional feelings then, but, but he, he saw a need and he met it out of his resources. So let me ask you, what is fear keeping you from doing? Now, now there, there's a lot of aspects of this. I, I think fear keeps us from doing a lot, even besides this business of serving God. I think there's probably things in your life that, that you feel, oh, if I could just, and there's this fear because you don't have confidence in, in yourself or confidence that anybody believes in you. And, and so there's just this fear. And, and, and you know, I think about... <laughs> You know, I see these students out here and Dylan will be heading back to school and Jessica, you'll be heading back to school soon. And I think Corey went back yesterday and uh, did, did Stephen go back already? Stephen's back. And so I, I don't want to miss a, a, several of you. I, I, I saw Giovanni in here, so he, he'll be going back pretty quick. And Haley's back there. All these kids going back to school. And, you know, in, in your life right now, Dylan, there'll be all sorts of decisions you have to make. Don't make them in fear. <laughs> You know, God has a path for you and you can trust his hand and, and, and I want you to never be afraid of trying something because of the, somehow you just don't have the confidence. And I think in our life, we all face those kind of things. There's classes we don't take, jobs we don't take, relationships we don't start because of fear. But even more than that, God wants us to have a boldness in our service of him. I don't want to be a frozen church. Do you? You know, I don't want to be a church that is so afraid of change that we just freeze. You know what happens to frozen churches? They die. See, there has to be in our church and I'm preaching to our church right now. This, this is a church time. There has to be in our church this attitude that God has been faithful and God will be faithful and we can trust him to give and go and do. This is from my heart. We've been talking about all this planning churches and planning the gospel. And I know, I know because I have the same fears right? Raise your hand if that's a scary concept, right? right? You know, it's scary to me. But perfect love casts out fear. And so in our church, there has to be this attitude because God is faithful and we can trust him with our past and we can trust him with our future that, that if God calls us, God will make a way and so what I'm asking for just in our church right now is that we let go of fear in all of this. 
you know, there's planning, there's stewardship, there's things that have to happen, but may we never be frozen in fear to follow our God. Look at Joe and Vicky. You know, there, there's fear when you have significant people leave your congregation. Can we just honestly address that, that we, we think of all that Pastor Joe and Pastor Victoria have done and do in our church, and we think, man, that is a huge loss. Amen? And it's natural, and it's appropriate for you and them to have a certain level of fear. But since I believe God has called Joe and Vicki, and because I believe they are calling him here, I can get past fear and have confidence even in this because my God is faithful. Amen. What about you? Is there somewhere that, that God is calling you to serve is there some place that, that God has said, you know, maybe you could, or maybe you could give here, or maybe you could do this, and you've just been frozen by fear? What will this person think? What, 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 how could I do this? And, and it just kept you from fully embracing what God wants to do in your life. You know, we've been focusing on, in our church, lost people, right? Lost people matter to us because they matter to God. And the biggest barrier to an evangelistic church and evangelistic people is fear, right? We're afraid of what our neighbor might say if we were to invite them to church, invite them to a fellowship, uh, just share who God is to you, we're, we're afraid. And, and, and when I think about this passage, the, the confidence that, that, that John's talking about when, he, when you're standing in the place of judgment is a speaking confidence. That, that is the literal translation. It is speaking words. In a scary circumstance. Now, I believe John's talking about the speaking confidence in the throne room of God at the end of our time, but, but I believe he's also talking about the speaking confidence in, in the judgment of our days. That, that we're standing in this moment of judgment, and will we speak or will we be silent? Will, will, will we, be, we be frozen in our tracks or will we share who Jesus is? Last week, we, we used this phrase, uh, you are not in this circumstance by accident. That, that God has placed you exactly where you are, and he intends you to be fruitful, to plant the gospel, to give him glory wherever you find yourself. And so wherever you are, whatever, whatever you're going through, God has placed you. God is with you, and he's inviting you to practice agape love. Stand with me, if you will. Man, I am done quick today. Uh, let's all praise Jesus for that. Remember, you owe me about 10 minutes, and so uh, I have a feeling at some point I might use that.
All heads bowed, all eyes closed. What is fear keeping you from doing? We're not going to... Yeah, I think I am. Maybe you've been afraid of starting a relationship with God. And I I just don't want to leave this place without giving you an opportunity. Why do we have altars? What are they for? They're, They're just a place where you can intentionally in the moment seek the presence and the face of God. You know, there's nothing unique about altars. I guess you could kneel anywhere, but, but this moment is unique. That's the uniqueness. We, we've gathered, and he's here, and so we're going to wait just for a moment. Maybe, maybe there's something you need to give to God. Maybe there's a fear that you have. And, and so we're going to open the altars, uh, allow you to come and pray, and then I'm going to close this in prayer, but I'd encourage you to come quick. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Lord, we're thankful for who we are in you. That that you have given us this great privilege of being called the children of God. And as John says, and such we are. We are the children of God, redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, bought with a price, belonging to him. We are no longer slaves, but children, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have been loved, and so we can love. Lord, give us a freedom in this moment and in the days to come to love you and to love others. May our love be real. May may it not just be uh, an emotional thing that we have, but may we practically and really meet others' needs through our own resources. Because you gave us the perfect model, Jesus. Jesus showed us what it means to love and how to love. Now, Lord, we'll confess we have fears. As we think about our church, as we think about life, as we think about workplace, as we think about our country, as we think about all that's going around us, Lord, we have fear. And Lord, we don't want to live where fear freezes us but we want to serve you. We want to trust you. So Lord, we pray that you'll give us a fresh awareness of your faithfulness. In this moment, remind us of all those times in our past that you have been faithful. Give us a fresh glimpse of how you've worked through our life, how you've woven our lives to this point. The times you've come through And it's only been you. Remind us. And then, Lord, give us a fresh glimpse of where you're taking us. Give us hope. May we be people of hope, and may our actions be infused with hope. Now, Lord, I love you, and I'm thankful for your goodness to me, your mercy to me. Help me, Lord, and help our congregation just to continue to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray.